Pod Dutians. Welcome to episode 107 of the Mini PC Show, and Aaron B is bringing you this episode of me and Dor together again. What's up, Dor? How's it going? Hey, uh, Rich. I'll say it's going normal crazy. Being a government essential employee just means, you know, nonstop work. Uh, in fact, I'm busier than ever because now apparently I'm also doing the job of some of our Department of Education people. Ooh, like that. Yeah. Um, except for that, um, the wife is also working 40 hours a week. Um, so yeah, quite busy, but I will say this, I'd much rather be busy than be bored, especially here around April 1st. I don't know about you. And I agree with you. I, I did do an April 1st YouTube video. So, uh, if you see my cactus crazy video on YouTube flying rich, I'll pimp that right now. Uh, that was an April fool's joke. My wife didn't get it. Very cool. Very cool. Um, and I will say, um, Brian is again still very busy. I will say working for one of the largest ISPs in the nation. I'm sure right now he is ridiculously slammed. I love how people are nonchalantly saying, "Well, now since we all have to stay indoors, you notice that they lifted those um 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 cap limits and it really is no big deal." Something tells oh, it's me it's a big deal. It actually is a huge deal and right now the higher end uh, technicians for these ISPs are working triple overtime to try to make sure everything is running smooth. And the only time we will know they're doing anything is when stuff stops working. Uh, oh, absolutely. That, that's the blight of the IT world. Uh, look, it's like everybody with a sewer system in a town flushing the toilet at five o'clock exactly. Uh, a whole bunch of crap going down a pipeline isn't a good thing. Not at all. Not at all. Um, I'll also say uh, Brett was definitely busy. Um, the long and the short of it is, I believe both of his parents came down with the COVID. Uh, so oh, we're wow. going to have to basically hold tight, see how they are doing. I will say, um, if you took take a look at the raw numbers, uh, everybody who contracts this has odds of coming out okay. Um, I don't know a single person ever coming out of it with permanent damage. And the only people I've heard uh, to suffer the worst consequences, suffer from a number, a myriad of other conditions. So I heard some early stuff, and I don't want to discuss it just because it doesn't sound correct. The I'll tell you what I don't like, and I, I think it's just how things are getting reported. So if you go to the Johns Hopkins website, which I do every morning, uh, nobody in the state of Florida has recovered. So they've died or they haven't recovered. And, you know, I'm like, all right, the recovery number's got to be better than zero. I know countrywide they are, but I look at the uh, surrounding counties. In fact, going every county south of Palm Beach, uh, going north to Orlando, I take a look at it in the morning to see, has anybody recovered in any of these counties? And nope. <laughs> so I, I don't think the data's real good. Now, I, I did, uh, you know, it's funny because we, we talk about it. Um, always do you, has somebody in your family or somebody you known been affected? Now, the boyfriend of somebody I know, uh, haven't talked to them in like five years, they came down with it. Now, here's somebody that's a bodybuilder and it hit them like a ton of bricks and, and bad effect. Uh, they recovered, but it, it was, it hit them pretty hard. Right. Um, I will say all the numbers that are coming in, because I've literally been watching this from about January 3rd or 4th is when I started to become infatuated with it. All the numbers coming in are slow. No one wants to give numbers and then retract numbers. So with everything, patience is the virtue. Uh, but the long and the short of it is maybe 
if this, if all these systems, if all these counties, if all these regions were running their systems on Raspberry Pi 4s with 4 gigs of RAM, maybe the numbers would come in quicker. Just saying. There you go. Very cool, very cool. Or maybe if they had Pinebook Pros or maybe like some Pine tabs, thing would run a little bit smoother. But uh, I'm pretty sure they don't. I'm pretty sure they're probably running off of like old mainframe systems because, you know, governments. Oh, Lord. Uh, yeah, they, that's... I got a work project, and the work project has nothing to do with anything in my wheelhouse. It's basically an inventory that includes mainframes, minis, uh, figure out what's running, what's not running, what's, you know, this is a, having nothing to do with my job specification, but whatever, they want me to do something, I do it. And then they come back to me and be like, oh, and tell us which ones can be de decommissioned and don't need a service contract. I'm like, will do. I wish you asked me that at the beginning. Right, right. Um, I will give a quick Pinebook Pro update. Uh, the update is I have followed one of the links on the official wiki uh, after receiving my WD Blue 240 gig, I believe, NVMe drive for around 48 bucks. Uh, installing it was a little bit of a trick. Touchpad kind of was like bumped up and coming out of place. So I had to open up do a little jiggering kind of thing. It seems like the NVMe drive doesn't fit inside perfectly is what I'll say. Uh, and now when you ordered the first batch, you had to put in a request to get a correct NVMe holder. Uh, and I was informed I did not need the new holder. And it looks like I don't. It just looks like things in there are quite tight. I'm completely blind. So I literally had to take a webcam, connect it to a um, our, um, articulating arm. And on the second computer, zoom in so I can see what I'm doing. Um, oh, my gosh. Oh, I had no idea. The long and the short of it is I got the drive installed correctly. I positioned it so the touchpad isn't popping out too much. Uh, but I followed a link on the wiki to make it a bootable device, and I thought I hard-bricked the Pinebook for two days. Uh, I finally just broke down oh. and entered the IRC, the official IRC for Pine, and they were like, why would you do something like that? That's stupid. Cause, and I said, because it was linked on the wiki. Oh, well, that's old. That, that, that should be taken down. I said, oh, well, Lord. well, can you please take it down? And then can I ask, how the hell can I get my computer back up and running again? Uh, and the guys were very nice on how, on how to do it. And then Mr. Fixit, who has been prolific in the Pine community for putting out good stuff, uh, told me, look, here's how you do it. And he, and he shot me a couple of links. I have no problem in saying he assumed my intelligence in Linux was a little bit higher than it is. So I have the linked bookmarks. Oh. I want to keep revisiting it and see if I can comprehend what I'm supposed to do. Um, but for now, it's booting off of either EMMC running Manjaro ARM, which is unbelievably smooth and crisp. It's running uh, Plasma or running off of SD card which is running the official Pine Debian distribution. Now, here's the long and short of it, Rich. Okay, ready? I bought a USB hub with USB-C pass-through for power, USB-3 for speed, USB-2, because why not, and then HDMI. Because on the official Pine wiki, yet again, it said it was completely compatible with Manjaro. Okay? I connect it, I load it, I boot it up, and I also have a long story short micro usb to ethernet adapter because my wi-fi in my house is horrid it sucks it's putrid it's horrible but it's better than my wi-fi i mean uh my hardwire is better than my wi-fi even when it's through a micro usb to ethernet 10 100 plug okay i plug it up i boot to manjaro i boot to debian okay 
I boot to Manjaro, where the wiki says HDMI works, HDMI doesn't work. The Ethernet works. Okay. I then boot to Debian, and I boot to Debian, and the Ethernet doesn't work, and the HDMI does work. And I had two friends tell me that I needed to um, send in a bug report to them to let them know that this wasn't working. And I'll just tell you this, between me and you, Rich, the worst thing you can do is tell somebody working with ARM or, I'm sorry, Arch or Manjaro that something doesn't work because they'll just tell me that I'm doing it wrong. Pretty much, yeah. I'm sure. So I'm never going to tell anybody involved with Arch that something doesn't work because I'm pretty sure they're always going to say it's my fault, I'm stupid. So discounting that, taking that out of the equation, the hub is working pretty good. The laptop is still easily 8 to 10 hours of battery life. Now that I don't go to work, I'm telecommuting 40 hours a week. I don't use it as many hours out of the day. But when I do, the damn thing still works near desktop speeds is the best way I can put it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's very cool. I uh, The video right now is running off my MacBook Pro, which I've replaced a battery. And then the battery, after a few cycles, lost. It, it was down to like 88% of capacity. And I asked him for a new battery. But since I've been docked at home, basically, I haven't really been cycling the battery. So I'm not sure how the battery's going to be doing. But, you know, we'll jump that bridge when we get a ramp and a motorcycle and evil can evil spirit. Right. Um, I'll also say, I don't know if it was the last episode, Rich. It might have been the episode before. And if I said this before, sorry, I'm going to repeat it again. On one of the last episodes, I said, in air quotes, what I'm saying about Pine. I'm saying from the heart, I dare them to try to offer me money or something like that. And then needless to say, less than 36 hours after the show was posted, the community organizer from Pine pinged me and asked me if I I wanted any hardware. (laughs) To, To which I said, without a hesitation, I'll be happy if you give me hardware as long as I give it away because I don't want it. I don't need it. If I need something from Pine, I'm going to pay them money. So if they want to give me anything, the first thing that's going to happen is I'm going to ask Rich, do you want it? I'm going to ask Brian, do you want it? I'm going to ask Brett if you want it. And if all of them say I'm okay for right now, then we're going to give it away. If one of them says that they want it, it's theirs for the taking. And if Pine people give me, quote unquote, too much hardware, I'm just going to give it away. And as desirable as even something as the Pine phone is to someone like moi, if they give me it, I'm not going to keep it. I will much rather give them money for a Pine phone than have them hand me one. And I feel the same way. I, you know what? If, if you get something, I would love to give it a test drive and then give it away. Right. Now, for those who watched Silicon Valley, they stole me. Okay. Eight years ago or so, I mentioned Methics. Methics is the combination of morals and ethics. And Silicon Valley had Tethics, combination of technology and ethics. And I swear they stole it from me. Mike Judge <laughs> shaking my fist at you. Um. It doesn't matter what anyone thinks, feels, or believes. And by anyone, I mean anyone, including me, including my kids, including my parents, including my wife. Anybody else, if you haven't noticed, you're below that chain in there. It doesn't matter what anyone thinks. I believe I have morals and ethics. If a company tries to offer me something, I might play with it, but I'm definitely not going to keep it because I never want any company to believe they have anything over me, period. With that said, There's no doubt Pine does not want money. If they were in this for money, the phone would be $600. The Pine Time would be $100. The Pine Book Pro would be $400. None of that is the case. They're not in it for money. They're in it to make a change. 
And as long as they're in it to make a change, I'm going to be by their side. But every single day, I'm going to reevaluate that decision. And I hope they expect that. Yeah, I look, they're, they're not charging crazy money. I think they can charge a lot more money. Um, I, I like the stuff they do, and I, I think they're very honest about it. And I don't know where they're making money. I, I hope they are because I want to see more products from them. Absolutely. And I'll say again, Aaron B was the uh, guy who made this Patreon possible. And I will say, if you like any podcast that you listen to, not just Podnuts, if you like any podcast that you listen to and it is ad free, you really need to at least send them an email just saying thank you. I'm not saying Podnuts. Any podcast you listen to that's ad free, you need to send them an email saying thank you because they're not selling you to somebody else. Everybody with any ad in their show whatsoever are literally putting a number against you and then selling you to somebody else. That's not what Podnuts does. That's not what Podnuts tries to do. So thank you, Aaron B. You're the man. Okay, now I digress. Okay, Rich, there's been more than a couple pieces of hardware news, more than a couple pieces of software news, but let's focus on the work from home mentality, WFH mentality kind of thing. And I'll say right now, there's two things out there that will work on mini PCs or full computers that people need to utterly be aware of. The two I'm going to mention is Jitsi Meet or meet.jit.si. Uh, you can host it yourself and you can run it on anything, Apple, Android, Linux, Windows, Mac, you can have the client where you can host your own video conferencing tool that I believe can house more than 100 people at a whack, and it's completely free for any length of time. It's not perfect. Nothing is, but at least it respects your privacy. And the second thing I want to just mention out there is NextCloud. If you need to do any light document calibration or file sharing or calendar appointment keeping or even emailing from a central location, it's really difficult to beat something like NextCloud. Now, they have plugins also for chat. Uh, NextCloud has NextCloud has two of them. One of them is a XMPP, which is like the previous version of Google Hangout, a.k.a. Pigeon-style, um, almost IRC-type chat, which is definitely uh -huh. networkable, um, communicatable. But they do have also NextCloud Talk which is a voice video communication system, which I will say I've never seen great success hosting the OS on a mini PC. Now, if you host it on even an old, even a seven-year-old laptop, NextCloud Talk works as good, if not better, than things like Google Hangouts or FaceTime. Oh, no oh okay. I, I don't have any experience. I Like I said, I or like I do, I've been installing NextCloud on my Odroid XU4 or... My Odroid HC1, which is behind me here, because uh, when I departed Orlando, I figured, let me bring this home with me and uh, give it a brain upgrade when I'm not using it, because um, it's basically my CPAP machine. Uh, I need to hear something to keep my brain out of my own head so I can sleep. And so I'll play series, TV series that I've seen before. Gotcha, gotcha. There will be a link in the notes to a um, to a IT false article, and I will say, look, every website, you know, except for Tilt and except for Podus.com, is inundated with some level of advertisements and cookies. Okay, 
So when we mention websites, I don't expect you to go there, quote unquote, in the nude, in like a raw Firefox browser or Chrome browser. I definitely encourage you to have either Adblock Plus or uBlock Origins, or if you're on Android, install something like Smart Cookie Browser to where you don't have to be inundated with ads. But I will say the actual article on itsfloss.com goes through Nextcloud, at least, saying why it's the Swiss army knife of remote working tools. And I will tell you this, the base install is incredibly competent at what it does, but you don't really get the full functionality until you go to look at the apps. Once you go to look at the apps, I will tell you the baked in search sucks. It's better if you just go to your web browser and say Nextcloud apps and Google search it, Quant search it, Starpage search it, DuckDuckGo search it, even Bing search it. Go to the web interface and then search for something that you want to do, whether it be chat, whether it be calendaring, whether it be email, whether it be collaboration, search there, and then you'll get a much better result set. Come back to your local installed instance and install the plugin. And I guarantee you, you will be shocked at the performance that you'll get out of it, even though this is literally something you can download completely for free and put on a $35 computer. I see now, now I'm like, hmm, I got to give this a try. I got to check this thing out. Well, I mean, the best thing I'll say is it's simple. It's easy. Nothing about Nextcloud is complicated. Uh, you can either load it via DietPy. You can, or if you require like the back end admin console, I will say it again. Own your bits, all one word, own your bits.com slash downloads. And they have direct customized downloads for Raspberry Pi, Rock 64, or VM, or x86. So you can literally just load up an x86 VM, drop it in, hit Very cool. boot, and then it forces you to change the password, change these settings. And then voila, you have yourself your personalized instance where you can do things like file, file sharing, Dropbox, or OneDrive type file synchronization that I will tell you works just as good. Uh, the best thing I like about file sharing is you can set expirations on files. So I can say, share this file with Rich, but kill it in 24 hours. Oh, um, very cool. Then you have the text chat, audio chat, video chat, and quote unquote web meetings, um, calendaring contacts and mail. There is a plugin I haven't actually had a chance to try yet where it like congregates a bunch of different emails into one unified inbox because literally right now I think I have about nine or 10 email accounts. Oh, I would love oh, if I could get a simplified interface for them. Um, Kanban project manager is a, uh, is a um, open source project management solution that has been in existence for at least two or three years. Could be a bunch more. Uh, I'm not big on project management because that re would require me to be organized. And I'm um, not really great at being organized, uh, but I'll tell you this, any add-on you can think of, I guarantee you is at least in beta form. It might not be ready for prime time, but I guarantee you somebody's working on it. And with the recent world events, I guarantee you they're doing everything they can to get everything as up-to-date as possible. Okay, so I haven't loaded NextCloud on anything other than a single board computer. And I'm thinking like, hey, I might as well spin up a VM of it and check it out and check out some of the more advanced features that need a little bit more horsepower. That, that sounds real interesting. Uh, if you're done with this topic, can I talk a little diet pie? Well, yeah, I just wanted to add one just last thing. Um, ownyourbits.com slash downloads. 
they have right there direct downloads for Banana Pi, Odroid HC2, Raspberry Pi, Raspberry Pi Berry Boot, Rock 64, Rock Pro 64, and virtual machines on x86 architecture. So it, it literally requires zero work to flash these images on those devices or in a VM, just load the VM. And you have the most full featured NextCloud installation that also includes what's called the NCP, which is like the NextCloud administrative portal. It's basically the admin panel on the backside of NextCloud that a great number of installations do not come with, which allows you to do a lot of things like automatic backups, um, synchronization between federalization of other infrastructures, um, a very powerful, powerful system is what I'll say. I will make sure to do my best to make sure this link is also in the notes. And then, yes, you can pivot, Rich. Okay. Uh, and great stuff. I, I definitely got to make the jump. All right. So... I kind of mentioned a little bit, um, I had some issues in my recent Diet Pie upgrades. And what's going on is, um, so like right now I'm not booting from the hard drive on my HC1, I'm booting from the micro SD card with a new distro of uh, a fresh install. Sometimes you got to nuke and pave. Uh, I was getting MariaDB errors on upgrading and it wouldn't fully upgrade. I'm like, let me just nuke and pave. Now, one of the ways that I've done a video on this to load all of the apps you want is you put a list and it's numbered. So you, you got to look. I, I'm sure there's a better way to do it than I've been doing it. But you get all the numbers of the apps you want to install and it'll install them. But now you got to realize there's core things that the apps are going to use. They might use Redis. They might use MariaDB. And what I found is if you do, I want these things, you know, a whole swath of apps, it fails. So what I figured out is that I need to install the core and then go and install the rest of the apps that I want. So MariaDB and the Redis first, you know, the more, um, I would say the less UI front end type things, the more back end type things. I installed first, and then I was able to get a good install with, you know, Plex, Sonar, Radar, Transmission, NextCloud, all of those types of things. And I do use NextCloud because uh, I pretty much all of my YouTube videos I shoot on my phone, and I'll shoot on one of two phones, actually, my Note 4 and my Note 8. And sometimes uh, I got a little action camera. And... Getting the video off the phone can be a pain in the ass. What happened to, like, you were in a crowd of people, you're supposed to be able to, like, fling data by gesturing your phone at somebody? I mean, shouldn't I be able, you know, it's 2020. Shouldn't I be able to just fling my phone at my laptop and the data goes there, you know, whatever file I want? So NextCloud is a pretty good solution to that. So I'll, you know, upload it to NextCloud, download it to my Mac, and edit the video in iMovie which I'm really looking to wean myself off and do it with, uh, what is it, DaVinci Resolve Blackmagic, which is cross-platform. And unfortunately, it doesn't run on the graphics card on the new Nook that I got. So I'm kind of bummed about that. Gotcha, gotcha. I will say the promise of ubiquitous data, unfortunately, requires a little bit of giving up. With ultimate convenience, you must give up security is the long and the short of it, um, which I know nobody wants to hear. Um, 
There are solutions out there that promise they make it possible for you to be able to fling data across to different devices. None of the ones that I've seen tend to work for any length of time or else I would have suggested them to you. Um, oh, and, and yeah, we go through this on a regular basis. Probably the most frequent question I ask you is like, how do I get data off my phone? In series today, uh, video I shot on my Note 4, I reached in, I pulled the micro SD card out, I pulled one of these USB adapters out, shoved it in my Mac, and, you know, edited the video. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, the one thing I did want to say, Richard, I almost forgot, I'm sorry, uh, was, again, Pine tries to be transparent, okay? Nobody can be completely transparent. Let's just get that over with. Pine tries to be transparent pine 64 they have a monthly newsletter saying this is what's happening opening up the robe you can see here i have this see here i have that uh one of the biggest changes i'll say is number one debian will not be installed as the default operating system moving forward on the pine book pro um that to me is kind of big news um they are going to switch everything over to man to man jaro as the default distribution number one number two COVID-19, coronavirus, SARS-2, whatever, has definitely hampered the pace of things getting released. But China is already basically back up, rolling to near 100%, okay? Again, convenience and security are on opposite ends of a pole the two shall never meet. Over in China, you have no freedom, which is like convenience. But as far as security is concerned, they can lock down a city like nobody's business, and they kind of did. Um, so they're, they, they expect shipments to ramp up here pretty soon. Uh, they ship basically from China to Hong Kong and then Hong Kong out to the rest of the world. Uh, so they expect Pinebook Pro shipments to start shipping before two weeks from now, is what I'm going to say. Uh, they also expect more uh, Pine times to be done, and I want to say they hoped by mid-April to the end of April to have the Pine tablets ready to ship. Um, I will say that's one of the devices I'm literally giddy for, a true Linux touchscreen tablet with a keyboard for, I believe it was $99, uh, seems quite sexy to me. Um, the Pine phone, I will say, it's one of those things they said, when we can get it, we can get it. Um, it's not, it is clearly their top priority, but because it's being a phone architecture kind of thing, it's the most competitive manufacturing place that they're at right now to get pine times done. I don't want to say it's easy, but it's easily measurable. But when it comes to stuff like pine phone, it's not easy to know exactly when stuff's going to come through. Hey, you know, I want to try everything they got coming out and they, they also have a camera coming out also. So I'm kind of yeah. excited about that. Well, it's a camera, but what it technically is, it's technically a IOT camera. We are supposed to be 20 centimeters, I want to say 20 centimeters by 20 centimeters by 20 centimeters uh, cam with very little logic built in, but with Wi-Fi or Bluetooth capabilities. So it could be basically just set in place, connected to a power source and forgotten about. Yep. Yeah, that, that's definitely one of the things. I, I guess maybe I'm least interested in a tablet just because I've found tablets in general I have very little interest in. The only thing that I like about a tablet is this far off mystical, magical dream of having something smaller, compact, long battery life, open it up, and I'm 
entering information in an operating system that I actually genuinely own. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Now, you could present me with that, and I could look at it and use it for five minutes and then never use it again. But the dream still exists. I still love the right. idea of it. Right. Oh, and, and a lot of purchases are made that way. And, and don't get me wrong, I like uh, 13-inch laptop for me in my eyes uh, or is too small. A 14-inch is very usable. 15-inch is there. But I've, I enjoy walking around with a 13 or a 14-inch more than walking around with a 15-inch Chromebook. And it sounds kind of pathetic. It's not like I'm weak. It's not like, you know, it's a... But it just feels better walking around with a 14-inch Chromebook than a 15-inch Chromebook. I wouldn't say it's pathetic. It's just personal preference. I mean, you know... Um... It just feels pine- more agile. I, I hate to talk that way, but... No, that's fair. Um, I'll say when I first thought of the idea of the Pinebook Pro 14-inch, I thought to myself, you know, that's like a lunch tray, almost size. Now that I have it, it is unbelievably comfortable and usable size. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. where I think an 11-inch is just too small. Um, another thing I wanted to mention, and I just wanted to mention this, because Honky Magoo, which I honestly, I'm not going to lie, I love saying the name Honky Magoo, uh, but he was almost a little bit afraid to use that name uh, publicly because he thought people might think of it as being whatever. Um, and no, people don't think like that because they're too busy worrying about Lennox Honky Magoo. He's from Lennox Lugcast. Lennox Lugcast is the podcast that 5150, somebody I consider to be one of the nicest guys I met. He was fun to mess with, lots of fun to mess with. But he was a really nice guy. Uh, That was one of the podcasts that he tried to give everything to. Um, Another guy there is Honky Magoo. Honky Magoo brought this link to me, link 1230. Um, This is the kind of thing, it seems like it's still a bit immature, but it's still early days. And they have plenty of room to grow is what I'm going to say. Okay. And the main reason I mentioned 5150 when I mentioned this was because this integrates some of the technology that he was infatuated with. Do you remember my, um, my Croft Rich? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. My Croft is what was trying to be the open source alternative to a Google Home or Amazon Alexa or the mysterious Cortana device that never existed or the Apple, was it a home? Molest you hub or something HomePod. like that. Yeah, yeah, HomePod. Yeah, yeah. Um, Plasma big screen is trying to replace all of that, but in a big screen fashion. Okay, so what I ask people to do is to actually just close your eyes and stop and think of a beautiful background image presented with I don't want to say metro like tiles, but small rectangles that go in a horizontal uh, in a vertical format is the main menu. And the horizontal is the submenus, almost the exact opposite of the classic PlayStation menu. Classic P- PlayStation menu, you go left to right and you go through the categories, you go up and down and you go through the subcategories. Okay. Plasma big screen is basically set in the exact opposite format, but it's basically KDE plasma, big screen formatted with options to be voice controlled. But you do need special hardware for it. And by special hardware, I just mean the particular hardware that they use. The remotes, I want to say around $25 to $35. Um, and you can do interactive voice searches with, with things like um, SoundCloud, YouTube. Uh, there was at least two or three more you could do interactive searches with. But you could also just pull up a regular big screen browser 
or YouTube or other types of streaming media, and you could just watch what you want. Uh, it does have support for things like Netflix, Cody, Hulu, uh, BBC World News, Twitch, Aplex, Aplex, Plex, uh, Discord, uh, Wikidata. It just keeps going on and on and on. But I will encourage everyone to at least check this out. This is incredibly immature. I guarantee you in three months from now, it's going to be tenfold better. And I guarantee you six months from now, it's going to be a hundred times better. This is the kind of project where I really want people to give support to, give um, you know um, uh, credence to, download and give feedback to. Because this is the kind of project where if you do not give feedback to, it will not grow. And again, Honky Magoo, Linux Lugcast. If you don't know that podcast right now, stop. And I'm almost tempted to tell you to unsubscribe because if you don't know about that podcast, I don't know what you're listening to. But Lennox Lugcast, really nice guys, eh, for the most part. Really nice guys, really smart guys, eh, for the most part. Guys like Hawking Magoo, listen to them, have fun, and they, they encourage you to openly partake. And then you too can be on a podcast. Um, and then I'll say, Rich, a piece of hardware that literally got me giddy. So giddy, I immediately stopped what I was doing and I pinged Tracy Holtz. And if you don't know who Tracy Holtz is, long story short, he's a man. His name's Tracy. <laughs> Get over it. Number two, uh, he's unbelievably humble. He's unbelievably moral and ethical. He's unbelievably nice. And he has really good taste in beer. Uh, but line uh, 1232 um, is a device that me and Tracy were dreaming about uh, like 10 years ago. Like, why can't we find a small form factor, dual gig Ethernet device that we could put into a small business, have it as a managed gateway, a firewall solution, a router, and do everything that we want to do as a small business and administration. Um, and all, all we could find were like $200 devices. It was a ripoff. Um, over at uh, cnxsoftware.com, NanoPi R2S dual gigabit IoT board and gateway launched for $22 and up. Tickle me fancy. Oh, this is pretty exciting. Okay, so one gig of RAM that gets you in, I don't know, I boy, I hate to sound ignorant here. I, I guess there are a couple of um, ARM-based firewalls out there. I, I'm pretty sure uh, OpenWRT, DDWRT have an ARM uh, version of it. Hopefully they got a flavor that runs on this because that's the killer app. Well, I'll say uh, PFSense, you, they want you to pay for their ARM versions. Their x86 right. versions are completely free. There's at least, I'll say, six or seven versions. Uh, IP, I want to say filter, IP cop, um, at least two or three more. Now, here's the thing. None of them that run on ARM are as mature as the ones that run on x86, which just means this. And I promise anybody out there, if you put your time into installing it and configuring it right, you will get it to purr. Okay. Now, I definitely encourage anyone thinking about doing this for a business, just buy one of these, install whatever operating system is on it, then run a monitoring tool like Cacti, won't be in the notes, too busy, but, and monitor the gateway 24-7, nonstop. You'll need, you know, a good sized drive with log files. And then you can see if this is an actual solution that you can actually offer in a custom enclosure to a business as a actual, secure, monitorable, routable gateway to where you can actually do things like host, I don't know, secure FTP, or you can actually have a remote desktop gateway that only allows certain IP addresses to come into your network. Um, 
This is the kind of thing that a small business entrepreneur with a little bit of... Oh, sure, like, you could run OpenVPN on this. Yeah, if they had just a little bit of like um, elbow grease could turn this little $22 device into a $20,000 a year enterprise. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, not that it's a shortcoming. You know, I, I kind of like things that do exactly what, you know, they, they're supposed to do and nothing more. Now, there's no Wi-Fi on this. You could drop a Wi-Fi into the USB 2.0 port. But then again, if you just want this to be the gateway, the, the VPN, uh, you know, the router for your business, that's fine. Have, have Wi-Fi on another device. Uh, I like it. I I think it's the right combination of equipment. You're not overpaying for hardware. You're not going to be using. You got a gig of RAM that allows you to do a bunch. I don't think you're going to. Uh, I don't think a gig of RAM is a hardship. Like in, it's not like Raspberry Pi four. You want four gigs of RAM to do stuff. You're not doing stuff. And most routers don't have a gig of RAM. Oh yeah, most routers have far far less. Um, I will say, I believe it starts out with a gig. I do believe you can go up to at least two or three gig, but doing non-GUI, non-desktop type applications, you, you honestly don't need more than a gig. Now, the only other time I've seen you need more RAM is when you're doing database solutions. Again, this is a router. This is a gateway. This is a firewall. This is not a database. So a gig, in my opinion, is plenty for a huge majority of the task that this is intended to run. And I'll say it's running on the RK3328 processor. Um, if you guys recall, remember, over a year ago, I said 3399 was the future of these mini computers. This is a predecessor to it. So this is not a modern processor. Do not expect to do machine learning, artificial intelligence, facial recognition, any of that kind of thing on this kind of processor. Again, firewalls, routers, gateways do not need extreme processing power, okay? They just need to be stable. I am slightly worried that it says the temperature range is from 20C to 70C. I prefer to have my electronics below 70C, like if possible around 50C. Um, I will say with these super micro computers, heat can be a problem so that's one thing you've got to be aware of yeah you know the i'm thinking about it, the only thing i haven't had a heat issue with is a pi zero you know small sbcs uh pi zeros um let me think well once you go to raspberry pi size or bigger i've never really had any issues but smaller than normal raspberry pies everything i've had has ran hot, except for a zero. I think you're right. I, I think I have to agree with you on that. And anything orange pie runs hot. Anything orange pie might catch your house on fire. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I don't know if it's worth more than a mention. Of course, lightweight Kubernetes gets me interested. That's line 1224. And I've got a series in my mind I have not shot the first video yet of, but... I uh, wanted to go from basics, you know, basic single board computing all the way up to cluster computing and, uh, you know, just do a tutorial on that explaining how it all works and going from the super no question is a dumb question like downloading Etcher, you know, whether it's on a PC, a Mac, a Linux and, you know, loading, whether it's DietPy or Raspbian the first time around. And I, I want to do like a basics all the way, working the way up. 
So this would fit in that paradigm. Well, the one thing I'd ask you is like two questions, Rich. Um, for the layman, how would you describe Kubernetes? But two, what is clustering? Why clustering? And when clustering? Which I know that's a lot of questions. Okay, uh, and you know, great questions, and I and I like you playing the foil that way. And I'd I'd say, well, you know, of course, Kubernetes because it's just like VMs but lighter weight, and then nobody knows what a VM is. Um, and I I always tr have trouble explaining what a virtualized machine is. And basically, um, the I don't know how technical this is, but when you virtualize hardware, what it means is the hardware exists as software on the host device. In what Kubernetes does, uh, you know, Docker uh, does, is it basically abstracts it a little bit further down than that. What it's, it's just the user space uh, where the user runs the apps uh, gets abstracted into something a little bit bigger that runs the operating system also. So Anytime you cluster, whether it's virtual machines or uh, Docker images you know, with Kubernetes, Kubernetes is the orchestration for that. What it allows you to do is say, hey, if you have to bring one of the pieces of hardware down, let's say I have four Raspberry Pi 4s with four gigs of RAM in a cluster. If I have to bring one down to change out the SD card or to remove the device and replace it with new hardware, I could move the processes running off onto the other three Raspberry Pi 4s. I hate saying that. That sounds awful. If It would be worse if I said three Raspberry Pi 4s with four gigs of RAM. So you could migrate the processes off them. And if you're really good at it, you can do it while they're still running. And nobody, no user would know the difference. So this is critical in, or I should say this is important in mission-critical applications. Uh, this is how the quote-unquote cloud works. And basically, with a couple of Raspberry Pis, you can have your own version of the cloud. And hopefully, VMware will announce ESXi 7 ARM, because uh, I know they're doing ESXi 7 announcement tomorrow. And that you'll be able to have, like for me to geek out and do my job, I've got to have some nooks or something like that, get a good deal on some nooks and all that bit. But if for, you know, 40, 50 bucks or 200 bucks for four of these and a little bit of support hardware, you know, micro SD cards, power supplies, a switch and some Ethernet cables, I can have for under, what, $300? a whole cluster and simulate what would cost many thousands of dollars to do on a low-end Intel version or tens of thousands of dollars to do on an enterprise version with enterprise hardware. And I think it's great because people then can learn, hey, this is how the cloud works. This is If we have a private cloud at an office, these are the things I would be doing and I can do it myself, soup to nuts, for easily under 300 bucks at home, which I, I think it's a fantastic opportunity for people to learn. Yeah, pennies on the dollar, definitely. Um, I try to explain Kubernetes by first trying to explain cloud to people. And the best way I can explain cloud to people is pizza. Most people in the world know pizza. You have a choice. 
You can make the dough from scratch. You can make the sauce from scratch. You can milk the goats or the cows and make the cheese from scratch. You can raise the pigs and make the pepperoni from scratch. You can grow the pineapples and make them from scratch if you're a sadist, okay? Or you can offload some of the responsibility, all of the higher responsibility, off to somebody else and just buy pre-made dough, buy pre-made tomato sauce, or you can go all the way down to just buying a frozen pizza in the store, okay? Cloud computing gives you the opportunity to take those different levels, those different layers of computing, and offload them to somebody else and make them somebody else's re, um, re, um, responsibility. What Kubernetes does is it abstracts the operating system out of the equation. You don't have to worry about it anymore. Kubernetes handles everything about the operating system through to the hardware. You just have to worry about what software is running, whether it be WordPress is an example of something running on top of it, or a file sharing system, or some kind of Git management system, or some kind of even other orchestration system kind of thing. Kubernetes allows you to not have to worry about what the operating system is or anything else. Kubernetes, I do believe, running on the Raspberry Pi platform is the kind of thing that can allow somebody for literally $1,000 emulate and compete with someone with $300,000 hardware if the person knows how to set up Kubernetes correctly. So, all right, the, well, you just reminded me of another use case. So one of the use cases, I love like virtualization or let's say encapsulation of your application, whether it's through virtualization or something like Docker. The idea is then you don't care in the cloud environment or cluster environment where it runs, what machine it runs on, as long as it answers and replies. Now, so the great thing is if you're replacing hardware, you never care about the operating system, what model number it is, what uh, specific drive array or controller, SATA controller, SATA card, SATA drive. You don't care about that crap at all once that stuff gets abstracted, which is great because now you're not dependent on particular drivers for things. So the other cool thing that you get is say I have a cluster of four Raspberry Pis and my wife, my daughter, and two of her friends are watching Plex. Well, Kubernetes, if I'm running Plex in Kubernetes, can say, well, one instance is good for one to two streams, but they're streaming stuff in HD. You know what? I'm going to spin up another instance of Plex. I'm going to run it on another piece of hardware that has less CPU going on. And I'll serve that out to the person that's getting that high definition movie and, you know, high bandwidth, high rate movie. I'm going to serve it out to them on their own machine. Yeah. And then it can collapse. So it can say, whoop, now we're doing database stuff and let me spin up, you know, more instances of databases so people can do things. So that's, that's some of the cool things because the economy of the cloud is most corporations aren't using their computer systems 24 by 7. So there's that 16 hours, typically you're sitting idle with your hardware. Yeah, I can't remember who it was, but I know Dennis Leary. I know, sorry to complete tangent. Dennis Leary had a comedy special back in like 94 
where he blamed some hypersensitive singer in his youth uh, that wanted more men to be more sensitive. So he didn't get any action for like a a decade. Um, And that's what Kubernetes is. It also allows it to be a sensitive platform to where you can sense when processors get overtaxed or RAM gets overtaxed or disk IO gets overtaxed or anything gets overtaxed and say, whoa, I sense you are a little busy. Let me give you some more resources. So you can literally say, turn down the resources on this WordPress instance, turn up the resources on the Plex instance, give it some more RAM, give it some more processor, give it some more disk IO or something else to help leave whatever situation it finds itself in. Now that does require somebody with some genuine experience in the ecosystem, but it's the kind of experience you can get on a $35 computing cluster, which can lead to an easy $140,000 to $200,000 job. Absolutely. So yeah, I want to see VMware launch vSphere or whatever the hell on the Raspberry Pi cluster. And then I want to see everybody else react and say, well, we need to do something too. And I want to see all the other platforms start to clamor and start to offer custom built ARM solutions for pennies on the dollar, yet give you the functionality of $2 million hardware stacks. Right. And I think it's only a matter of time. Well, I, I think it's a matter of time. I hope it's soon. I've been itching for this for well over a year since they teased it in Vegas. I was there 2018 in August uh, at VMworld, and they, uh, I, I, I hate to say it, I don't remember the guy's name, but the CEO of VMware has got a Raspberry Pi in his hand, and he's saying, USXI is running on this. No, it hasn't made it out to us yet. Gotcha, gotcha. And really quick, because we're already going long for what I thought we were going to go for, uh, number one, uh, Chad Baker, newest Patreon guy. Thank you very much, Chad. I believe I actually have accounts being charged now on Patreon because I didn't for like a year. So thank you very much for putting up with us for putting up with us, Chad, and every other Patreon, including Mark, Russell, Aaron, everybody else. Uh, we do have an actual email, and this comes from Scott Remick. Um, and I'm going to take a moment to say copy over here. And I'm hitting copy and I want to come over here and hit paste just so it's more easy on my eyes. Okay, here we go. Now, let me just for the video user, click email, click transition and say from Scott. Uh, title of the email was best open Raspberry Pi all, um, alternative and the email goes. So I have quite a few Raspberry Pis and they are okay for what I'm using them for. I've never found them to be a great GUI desktop device, though. I I know you frequently complain that the Pi isn't really open and using closed proprietary blobs for main components. An uh, option that a I'm sorry a opinion that uh, aligns with my own values. However, I've been burned in the past dabbing with all with all um alternative Pine 64 due to lack of decent software driver image support. Meanwhile, as close as the Pi is, it has excellent support with frequent solid software images being released. So that raises today's questions. What do you feel is the most open platform that also has good uh, active software driver support? Here's my cry um, criteria. Should not be much larger than a Raspberry Pi. Does not need more, uh, more powerful than a Pi 4 needs to have a GPU with good driver support for ongoing support for graphics acceleration since I want to run Linux desktop GUI and will occasionally play video. 
does not need Wi-Fi or Bluetooth, built-in gigabit Ethernet, RJ45, HDMI or other uh, video out, active GUI, desktop image support, historical and promising signs for the future at minimum should have a, a working bionic in air quotes base, which is a newer version of Ubuntu. That was a lot of questions. Indeed, yes. And I was first hoping he was going to ask what's the best software because I was going to, I had, I had answers in my head all lined up saying, well, you know, Armbian has maybe the best desktop uh, performance out of any um, operating system that I've been able to put on a mini computer with all things put aside. I put Armbian on versus uh, uh, Raspbian versus anything else. And it seems like Armbian just performs better, but he's asking for hardware. And I'll say it like this. One of the best, most continuous and ongoing, highest rated mini computing boards for video performance. There's only one. Nothing else. Well, okay, lie two that meet this criteria. Number one is a Jetson Nano. Jetson Nano is $100. So let's not say that one. But the one that I would actually suggest is one that I would never suggest for any other use case. And that's an Asus Tinkerboard. The Asus Tinkerboard GPU is highly performing. I believe it's open. I'm not completely sure it's open, but I believe it's completely open. The Asus Tinkerboard consistently gets ranked number one or two for video output from anything I've ever seen. Or I'll say this, you have the Odroid uh, Rich that is uh, marketed as being the desktop home entertainment. I believe it's the N2. 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 One that got over there. That got pretty high marks as well. It's, the way I'll put it, if the Asus Tinkerboard is a 10 out of 10, the Odroid N2 was at least an 8 out of 10. But if you take the bang versus buck ratio, the N2 destroys the Tinkerboard. Now, if you have to have 4K 60 frames a second on all your video, then you almost have to go with the Tinkerboard. But if you just need good, solid video output, uh, then I do think the Odroid N2 is probably the best bang for your buck. And if you go through a Meridroid, you will also be able to get a case, power supply, and everything else ready to roll in one neat uh, shipping package with the Asus Tinkerboard. You have to find people selling bundles, which I'm sure would end up being probably twice as much as the Asus Tinkerboard. Um, and I'll say, I, in the past, I said a great many things negative about the asus tinkerboard believing that they weren't serious that they weren't going to keep it up that they that they were just in this for trying to get headlines and i have no problem saying i was completely wrong they've actually launched a second revision of the asus tinkerboard and it seems like they're actually taking this serious so since you talked it up i had to get my odroid into the case is really nice definitely get it with the case the only thing i'm going to quip about is I don't know who has fingers tiny enough to get the micro SD card in and out. I don't think you were thinking too well or saw my American fat fingers when you decided the slot only has to be precisely the width of a micro SD card. That's my only quip about it. Uh, great case. Really like this hardware. Have not used and abused it enough, but I will be getting there. Well, and I believe if I'm not mistaken, Rich, literally half almost half of the case is a heat sink well yeah if you look at it the bottom half is a heat sink very cool 
So I, this is not much different than the Odroid HC1, HC2. I have not had any heat issues or reported heat issues from the OS. Believe it or not, my Odroid HC1, I do have heat issues reported, and I've been using a fan. I actually keep my Odroid HC1 upside down, and I lay a box fan, you know, small, like 120 millimeter or whatever box fan on it. And uh, But this I've had no heat issues with. Gotcha, gotcha. And again, I'll say I have no problem recommending a Maradroid if you're in the Continental 48. I believe even in Can-Do Adia or Mexicana, you can also use a Maradroid and get very quick shipping. Um, I have no problem saying that are a great number of companies out there have horrible customer service. Um, a Maradroid is a very small operation, yet they strive really a lot to have really good customer service. And if you're dissatisfied with them in any shape, way, or form, I guarantee you, you send them an email and you will hear back from a person, not from an automated reply system. Uh, and they will do everything in their power to try to make stuff right. <laughs> and they're another company that has never tried to give me anything. But if they did, I'm pretty sure I'd, I'd give that away too. Yeah, I've actually called the owner up and talked to him. Because I, I kind of figured out where they were and what their phone number was and said hello. And, you know, Tom, I appreciate, you know, his business, what he does. Very cool. Very cool. Um, the only last thing I just wanted to mention offhandedly was I only wanted to mention it, Rich, very selfishly to make sure that it's in, in the notes. So the next time I look this kind of stuff up, I can find it. Uh, line one, two, three, three in our notes. And it's um, and it has a little bit of linkage. I'm not going to lie back to the Pine phone, but only tangentially, okay? Uh, Anbox, A-N-B-O-X. Uh, Anbox is a system that tries to allow you the importation and running of Google Android APK files. Now, these APK files cannot rely on certain sensors being there, like a magnetometer. I don't know a single mini computer that has a magnetometer, okay? If it needs a gyroscope, well, you need specialized hardware. If you My need Atomic Google... Pi has a magnetometer. Yes, um, it does. And uh, if you require Google Play services, like Google Maps, this will not work either. But if you need just basic Android APKs running in Linux, not in Android, but in Linux, then Anbox, oh, A-N-B-O-X, is the solution. And Anbox, uh, I'm going to put this link in the notes, has a ARM64 version of it, which is supposed to allow you to run this on most uh, like Raspberry Pi type and uh, Pine type and um, Odroid type ARM hardware is what I'm going to say. Um, I haven't had a chance to try it yet. Uh, it wants to be installed on Ubuntu. So if you're running on Raspberry Pi, Odroid, or Pine, you have to install a Ubuntu derivative to get this to run. Um, I immediately tried to run it on my Debian uh, Pinebook Pro, and because it's Debian, it does not support, uh, I believe it was Snap, so I couldn't get the thing to work. Um, I didn't trust running it any other way. Um, I always am interested in getting certain Android applications running in Linux, because if I do, certain things in Android are much has, has a much easier workflow than in Linux. And granted, it's not a majority of things I do, but it is some of the things I do. So I want to make sure this is in the notes, literally just for me. Uh, that's very cool. One last thing about Odroid, and tell me if I'm wrong on this. I don't know of an Odroid that has Wi-Fi on it. No, uh, typically the Odroid mantra is we only are going to give you RAM, 
processor and gigabit NIC or a hardwired NIC, everything else you're mm-hmm. on your own. Um, they want to strip everything down and only law offer the bare essentials. Um, they are also the company that they don't offer stuff like PCIe very frequently either. They just offer USB, USB 3, gigabit NIC, and that's it. And if you want Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, if you want SATA or other type of connections, you're going to have to jury rate yourself. Well, the, this does have an RF sensor on it in four USB uh, 3 ports, which is pretty freaking amazing. Yeah, I'll say about half of the Odroids I own have the infrared receiver. Very cool, very cool. Uh, were there any other links you wanted to uh, bring up there in the uh, show there, Rich? No, I, I think we got a good show with what we just talked about. I, I don't know if there's any cool hardware out to talk about. Well, I mean, there's always new hardware. The question is, is it cool enough? Um, and there's definitely more mini form factor ITX, mini ITX, uh, x86 stuff that's out there. But the likelihood you or me or somebody listening to this will buy one of those things, I do think is quite probably as low as one of us catching the corona. Just saying. Indeed. Yeah, because, you know, I have a kid with an autoimmune disease. So anything that comes in the house gets sprayed down and I wash my hands because, you know, autoimmune disease. I hear you. Look, I'm cleaning up after I unpackage stuff that comes from Amazon. I'm cleaning up afterward. Um, I just leave it in the garage for like three days before I open it up because I know it can't last longer than that no matter what. And I did tell the wife, look, worst case scenario, look, calm down. We can order toilet paper from Amazon. Just relax. <laughs> or, or we could just order a local newspaper and be like the people in the 1800s and just use the newspaper because that's really all it's good for. What would the bird use then? Don't, well, I don't have a bird. Wait a minute. That kind of bird. <laughs> very cool very cool and i will say uh thank you to red and fizz for coming out to the live show if you would like to partake in the live show in any shape or form all you got to do is send us an email to minipc at podnuts.com uh you could also hang out with us uh in multiple fashions again just shoot me an email at minipc at podnuts.com and we can let you know where that is or you could simply click on the notes in the show Um, We are not on a huge plethora of social media platforms because they're incredibly polluted and diluted with incredibly deranged people in lots of different ways, shapes, and forms. And I prefer to not be in those ecosystems. Uh, Rich, what's the easiest way for people to catch up with you? Uh, Flyingrich.com. And I haven't looked at it in a while. I think I've got to fix a bunch of stuff that's broken. There's a prototype that is due to be launched, but that is where you can find all of my social media, uh, when it's working hundred percent correctly, but there's a contact me. So if you want to send me an email there, you can do that. In, even though email is quite old, in fact, about as old as me, it still works pretty well. And I like the fact that in email, you can set up bouncers. So if the mm-hmm. wrong people send you emails, they should get messages back saying the email doesn't exist. I've been using that. <laughs> Very cool. Um, I want to thank everyone for downloading. Thank everyone for their supports. Thank everyone for partaking. Thanks everyone for uh, their communicating with us. And never forget, number one, if the podcast you're listening to does not have ads, send them an email. Not me. Send them an email saying thank you. Send them an email saying you appreciate it. Send them an email saying, please keep it up. Send them an email asking how you can support. Send them an email asking how you can help. Send them an email letting them know 
that a part of you relies on them because you can try to lie to me, but I know better. That's why we listen. Okay. And if you would like to send me a thanks, it's easy. You don't have to, but it's really easy. Again, mini PC at pot.com. I'll say, Brian, I miss you. Brett, I miss you. Rich, you know, I'm there for you forever, brother. Thank you very much for coming out. And always, we can always sit around and talk about mini PCs and big ideas. Big talk, little machines. That's what I meant. Thank you, Rich. Thank you. Take it easy, everybody. Hi, this is Matt from the MRP Tech Podcast. I would like to invite you all to take a listen to my show, the MRP Tech Podcast, on the Podnuts Network. The theme for my show is Everyday Tech for Everyday People. We talk about Windows, Mac, Linux, iOS, Android, Chrome OS, and anything else technology-related. You can find us on iTunes, and you can find us by searching in any podcatcher. We hope you take a listen and let us know what you think.